Hey, y'all. Okay, this is a special podcast pre-recorded with one of our common parent experts. And I know um, some of you really don't even know what I'm talking about right now, but hear me out. Listen to this podcast to kind of get um, the intel, the inside scoop into some of the content that exists inside of the common parent. This one in particular is with like one of my favorite, actually they're all my favorite, I can't even choose one, but for some reason, um, this interview I think is just so valuable for so many people and we really try to find experts that speak to parents on so many levels and um, just give you the hard facts of what can I do right now to make my relationship better and easier with my teenager or how can I defuse a situation because so often we're in a space with our tween or teen where we're infuriated and frustrated and um, we don't know how to back down on that because the more you push the more they uh, push back and it's like this vicious cycle and you're like I just want to be in a good place why can't I get there Um, this expert in particular Kirsten Kobabe uh, just is well is like a teen whisperer, tween whisperer, if you will, and kind of gives you insight into um, why is it so frustrating and and when can I say no and when can I push back? Because I think so often we get in this place where you're like, I'm not allowed to say this. I can't do this. Uh, uh, they're allowed to have feelings. Oh my God, it can be so overwhelming. And I feel like in this podcast, she teaches us how to do boundaries when you're feeling disrespected. So you're not just having to mirror them and show them how you want them to act. But when you have actual tools to say, Hey, this isn't working for me right now. I'm going to step away until we can regroup or just, there's so many um, point she gives and how to have your own boundary and keep your own respect without feeling like you're being walked all over. So take a listen. Um, y- you can check out the common parent. It is what we call a paywall because we try to keep the content safe. And we have found that not only do we, um, have a paywall so that we can definitely, uh, keep everything running and there's a lot of operation behind the whole, um, website, but also because it is a safer place when we don't have mass amounts of people um, talking about their children or commenting on how you parent. And there is a Facebook group. If you're not part of it or you don't have Facebook group, that's cool. You can access all of the content through emails or through your text messages. Um, But the Facebook group is really peer-to-peer where you can ask questions and a lot of people answer from their experience without judgment. So something to check out. It's called thecommonparent.com. Um, here's one of the interviews that has really resonated. Actually, they all have, but I feel like this one's timely going into summertime and we could all use a little refresh. And to sum it up, The Common Parent is a place where you can go and get hands-on skills without reading a million books for a challenging time in our life, which is called tween and teen. And, um, I, what I take from it, even as someone with a background in social work and teenhood is you need the reminder, guys. It's not like... It's not like riding a bike. It is constantly the voice in your ear that you need to make sure you know you're normal. You're not alone. This is a challenging time, but we can get through it. So um, take a listen. Check out thecommonparent.com. I hope you enjoyed this one as much as we do. And uh, make sure you hit us up on Instagram. There's also free resources over there um, on the Common Parent and Instagram. Enjoy. Drop it like a hat. Drop it like a hat. Drop it like a hat. Ah!
Oh my God. Look at you in Maui. Must be Is nice. Is this lighting okay? I can move. You look amazing. I mean, no, okay. mostly it's a podcast anyways. Okay. Perfect. Oh my Perfect. God. It's so peaceful. What are you doing there? Oh my gosh. We came on vacation here and it has just been, Maui has opened up to us and she has big plans for us. So we're actually going to be coming back to be here for at least the summer, but probably more creating teen programs and stuff like this. So. Okay. Well, first of all, if you all don't, you've been in this group before. And when I heard you and listened to you, I reached out personally to you um, to work with me and my family because I think what you do is so remarkable. You're, I call you like the teen whisper with no pressure to try to fix something. It's just someone to help guide you. I feel like you're a guiding, you're the teen guiding light. Um, mm. And I feel like you're someone who like, it's almost like they're anchor in a time when they don't want to be anchored by anybody. Um, and yeah. you're the, you're the, you're like the teen safe place, if that makes sense. Yeah. Thank you so much. That means everything. So we, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I personally created, I, I, I emailed the team and I said, we need this immediately because if, if this is something one of us is going through, we're probably all going through it. And I researched why developmentally, well, first of all, what do you do and what do you like to be known as? Love to be known as a parent coach and a teen whisperer. I am here to support all families who are interested in support with being more connected, consciously connected, and actually having an authentic relationship, especially during the years that are often seen as difficult and experienced as difficult, even for many of us as young people. Uh, Okay. So... I love that. But when you feel like you cannot connect with them, like Mm. they don't want to connect, can you force them to connect or no? We could try to force. And I think what we know, if we look at history and the present moment is forcing isn't, I mean, it might work temporarily. And by work, I mean, someone might get their needs met. The adult might feel like, okay, we have the conversation, we're connected. But it's so much more than that because it's not about checking a box, having having like the sex talk or having a talk or it's like, okay, now we're connected because we spent half a day together. It's really about who is this person? Seeing teenagers and young people as people, not as problems. And also owning our part in the dynamic of the relationship, just like with any other relationship. It actually takes time and energy and effort to really um, to pause long enough to get curious, to listen and to really begin to understand who they are. And it all, a lot of it changes in the teen years. So it's kind of like starting again sometimes. So I recently, I often there's a parent, if you're in a relationship, one parent deals with the the, the child differently than the other. And Mm -hmm. I found it helpful that I Googled like developmentally where a teen girl is or boy, and it happened to be a girl. And it was like, they are developmentally on track if they're rolling their eyes, sassy, overly responding, like aggressively. If they're, you know, um, arms are crossed, body language, like critical of you. And my husband writes back, good to know we're on track developmentally. And I was like, (laughs) I just, I want you to see this, but in the same token, how do we as parents, when all really, all you want to do is be like, 
like, look at you. You're so ungrateful. Like you want to respond because you can't believe the behavior is actually happening. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things we can say back to, to, to them as people, when we know it's developed, when you actually begin to understand it's developmental, you can Mm -hmm. kind of look at it differently because it's not like a behavior issue, but it's very hard to let go of that when they're doing it. Is there something we can do to hold them accountable so we don't feel like we're, we're raising entitled, ungrateful children? We can so model gratitude by being grateful for this part of their evolution. And I know it's really hard to get there, but I think um, what you just said is so important when we really understand that it's, oh, this change isn't just happening because they're being a jerk It's or they want to get under, you know, my skin or push my buttons. It's because they're actually forming their own identity, their opinions, their autonomy, their interdependence. And that's what parents want for their kids. That's what we want for teenagers as they become young adults. And so it, it is a reframe. And so many of us grew up with behavioralist parents where it's like, it's all about what we did, how we said it, our tone, our A's, um, our grades, all of this this is what we grew up with. And now we're growing out of it. And young people are really showing us it's not about that. And it's really not even about the tone because the tones and the attitudes and the sass are really telling us this is important. I feel deeply about this. There's a right and wrong here. My values are in this place, not that place. And so if we can remember that it's developmental long enough to pause and get curious and listen, then it's like, that's actually when we do figure out how our kids are, because parents are often saying to me, how do I get my kids to talk to me? They're talking to you. It's just not in the the, the package you want. And so it's actually going, I don't care what package it comes in, what the SAS attitude, all that. I don't care. They're talking to me and they're inviting me into their stress, their worry, their frustration, and their anger. Even if it's pointed at the parent, these are the moments to listen because this is going to help them talk to you and stay connected to you because they're going to know that you can embrace their mess and their big emotions. It's so hard. (laughs) How do you, like, I really do a person, I'll just use my personal, my personal experience. Like, Yes. You know, I, I am beginning to see lineage between, um, independence and like, so let's just say she goes out to a party with a bunch of friends, like goes out for dinner with a bunch of friends. The, the sass comes in tenfold the next day. And I know that's because I'm, as she's stepping forward, I'm stepping back being like, okay, Mm -hmm. you're beginning to go into your own world. And now you're testing out what it's like not to have me because you have your people, but how do I know Mm -hmm. that I'm not, um, I'm not reinforcing the behavior by not holding her accountable for the disrespect or the rudeness or assume disrespect and rudeness of, you know, the sass is intense. Like just like the disrespectful comments back. How are we holding, letting them know that that's a boundary that I'm not comfortable with of you treating me that way. Like, can we say that or do we just let them spew? Cause they can change a whole mood in a house. They can hijack. Oh, yeah the mood and the house. And to me, that's not acceptable. So what can we say mm. and to be like, Hey, this is a shared space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like a combination of kind of sticking with that curiosity and being like, Whoa, something big's happening. And really just honoring that they're in a big emotional place. We, they might not want to talk about it. Of course, if that door is always open, great. And it, and it might also, depending on your child, be like, you want to go for a drive? Or it might be like, here's what, what else is happening in the house. You can totally feel angry. You can totally feel pissed off or whatever's going on. And, um, and we're going to like be over here doing this. You're totally welcome to join us. So we're, we're not then 
saying you can't feel your big feelings and that they're not okay because the rolling of the eyes isn't meant to be mean. It's, it's the way that they're able to show that they're in a big feeling space. At least that's how I experience it and how I understand it. And when we have that lens and that connection, the curiosity, then we can start to have those conversations where we're like, Hey, I'd love it. If when things are big or you're feeling it, um, our conversations can look like this instead of like this. And you can even say, I'll own that. I sometimes am a jerk or I'm disrespectful. I know I da 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 because teenagers really, it's not, it doesn't help when we're like, Hey, you can't be this and you can't be that. And that's not right. Cause they're thinking what you yelled at me last week. Or I remember when I was seven and da 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 like they're tracking. And so it needs to be fair. And so I think there's a way to do this where we balance that curiosity with boundaries while treating them as a person, knowing that they're undergoing this massive transformation that is highly emotional and hormonal. And so in calling them into their awareness, I think is where that accountability comes from, because we definitely can't make someone care about what other, you know, everyone else in the house, especially if they feel like they're not receiving respect. And so it's like calling them into that awareness, giving them some options, some control, also carving space out if they want to talk about it. Um, and while honoring uh, the rest of the family, <laughs> I think a lot of, of them from what I'm hearing in the community, in the group is they like, it's basic things like, Hey, do you want some lunch? And it's like, how dare you ask them if they want lunch? And right. you know, that's where the sort of the, the knee jerk reaction happens is because it's not even about big moments. It's the little moments mm-hmm. that are, you just, they just wake up and they're kind of like angry at you. And you're like, but you just woke up. Like, you know, you can't just wake up and be angry at me. So like in those moments, is that a self-awareness? Like to, are we being like, Hey, you just woke up and seem mad right now. I'm, is there something mm-hmm. you want to talk about? Or are we, what's the way to not knee jerk, but to actually ha- like hold the mirror up and be like, this is what it's looking like right now. Yeah. I mean, one way to, I love this example because this is so what everyone's going through right now. And there's a couple pieces. One is how would we treat our friends? like a dear friend, if they woke up grumpy, we probably wouldn't be like, you're so disrespectful. Right. (laughs) So, so, so it's partly that. And I know it's a different dynamic, but we can incorporate some of these ways. How would we see a person that woke up having a rough morning? If it's not our child, how come it's different when it's our child? And so part of it is because we're scared we're going to raise an entitled mean person. We can just put that aside because there's nothing we can do about that, really. Like, if that's their path, that's their path. But what we, what actually we can do... Wait, are you saying the path is already made if they're a teenager? <laughs> like, they, that path was made and 13 and under, basically? And now that, that's... Is that what... Some is that basically... People, well, some people do need to find their way to compassion and gratitude outside of the family. I mean, often all of us do in one way or another, but we definitely can't shove it down anyone's throat. And so to speak to that really common example... Other than, okay, how are we seeing our child? Are they a person or are they like our child that needs to be good, right? Right. How are we seeing them? And so the other piece is like, let's remember that what they're doing is waking up way too early for what works for them. We would never do this to a baby. Be like, get out of bed. Like you have to be like on and ready. And it's the same developmental stage, just bigger, obviously. And, you know, 
it's it's later in life, but it has so many similarities because there's very specific sleep needed and teenagers are not getting it. There's a very small percentage that are. They're also spending their days going to school where they're likely not enjoying themselves and can't even go to the bathroom when they want to. And so let's right. remember that they're waking up going, Ugh, unless you're really lucky and your kid's super into school the way and very type A, but so many people aren't. Right. Okay. Okay. So you're saying give them, give them a little bit of, I think you're right. Everyone is fearful that we're raised, that their child woke up one day and is now entitled, rude and disrespectful. And you can't remember them before that age when they were kind, helpful mm. and considerate, yeah. right? So you can't remember that person because when you're in the phase, you're, that's all you can see. So like, right. Can, right. can parents feel a little bit your child doesn't fundamentally core value change at 13. They'll probably come back to that person when they get through who they are. Right. Yes. yes. They're, they're rejecting everything they came from. That's part of this phase. Not only are they releasing their frustration of maybe things that happened when they were younger, which is good. We want this to come out and our culture has a really interesting relationship with anger and frustration. We don't have a lot of space for it, but if they don't move that energy through as teenagers, they actually will later in life. And that's worse. And so what we're scared of is actually the best thing ever is that they can learn how to feel their feelings now. So they're not doing it at 30, having to go to therapy every day. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but if, if they can actually have that experience younger, there might be less to kind of look at and, and weed through and figure out, and can we make space for their frustration? Is it okay that they're frustrated? And one small like shift could be, um, Hey, your lunch is on the counter if you want it. Let right. them choose instead of saying, here's your lunch and expecting them to go, thank you so much for making me lunch. Like that's <laughs> not going to happen. And so giving them the choice and the option and remembering they're actually going to reject everything all their childhood because they have to blossom through like into this new being. And yes, they're going to return to some parts and they're going to figure out who they are and maybe adopt some of the things that were instilled as young people, um, some of the values of the family, but they do need to kind of go, ugh and reject or divorce from the family unit in their teen years to really emerge as themselves. Wow. I, I, you touched about anger and how society doesn't have space for that. And you know, what, what happens if you have a really angry teen who is bigger than you and who is, you know, learned that that happens, they, they become bigger than you. And, you know, really, yeah. it's really conflictual, like, what are, and it, it can be scary if you have a giant teen in the house. And, you know, I, I don't want to sugarcoat because yeah. I think that there's sass and there's rudeness and then there's anger. Yeah. And I think yeah. when they're moving away from you and they're angry, that's super scary. Um, and the yeah. consequences get bigger as they get bigger. Yeah. What are, are we just trying to keep them safe? Are we just trying to, are we letting them move through these emotions? Are we saying, Hey, you seem like you're angry at me, but don't raise your voice at me. Like, what are these mm. things? What are these like core things we can say back to protect our boundaries? I think that's really what it is. Like as yeah. grownups, we feel out of control of their mood. Fine. But then you have your own kind of place where you're like, that's kind of my line of where I'm not okay with you doing that to me. Yes. And that's okay. We want this in all of our relationships we can still love one another and support each other and have boundaries. And so I think this is huge because often the present parenting, respectful parenting can be confusing because it feels like we need to be passive, but it's really not, it's not that it's, if you have the curiosity, if you've got the relationship, if you're seeing your child as a person, it's less likely this stuff will be happening, but it still can. And so when we 
can we bump up against this, assuming it's not like abuse or something and also totally reach out for, for the help that you need, because sometimes this stuff can be rocky and big and we don't want to sugarcoat it. But yeah, if there's a big kid and they're feeling big feelings, you're allowed to say, Hey, I get it. You're angry. Life sucks. This is miserable. Um, I'm going to just leave for 30 minutes and come back is like to connect again then, because I'm actually going to go self-regulate. And so this is great because we're modeling how to handle our own anger and make okay. a plan for the future so that they're not left feeling like I'm bad because I'm angry. And now I'm abandoned by my parent. It's more like, Oh, they're angry too. Or they're feeling big things. They're going to like, you know, do their self-regulation and then we'll, and they'll return, you know, if you're able to stay oh. that's a different story, if it's safe to stay totally, you can, can say, okay, we're, yeah, we're angry. Let's okay. Let's feel it. And I'm sure if you're feeling disrespected, you say, I'm kind of feeling disrespected right now. I'm going to step away. I'm going to check back in in half an hour and see if you need my help. Like, or something, I guess we're just, we're allowed to say, this is disrespectful. I, I need some space. Yeah, I would right exactly exactly and I would even add for some teens because it's really fairness is so important to them and they've seen their parents likely upset before and so part of that could even be added and I don't want to be disrespectful to you so I'm going to pause for a sec right right oh it sounds so easy and then you're so (laughs) mad in the moment of like how dare you I'm doing this all for you right I'm doing everything for you yeah yeah it is if you like, if you, if parents could know one thing about their teens and this phase of like, I just hear so much, so many parents about anger and, you know, mental health is such a huge issue right now for a lot of kids after COVID. And like, that's another, that's another layer beyond, I think there's teen development that we're all seeing happen and we feel like it's huge. And then there's mental health on top of that and anxiety and eating disorders Mm -hmm. and everything. What are some things that as parents, they want us to know, um, or don't know, or what are something we can say to parents and be like, Hey, this is some things you may want to know that your kid might be feeling that they'll never Mm -hmm. tell you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, what I hear from all the teenagers in my world over and over again is, they really want their parents to get it. And I, and by get it, it's like, realize I'm doing my best. Listen to me when I'm having a hard time. Join me, not fix me. See me as a person. Guide me, but, you know, also let me go. And so it's a very, such a delicate <laughs> balance. Guide I mean, me, a, but let me lot. go. That is yeah. such I like, oh my God, you're so, guide me, but let me go. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that is so that's so hard because you don't I think the other thing parents struggle with is like you don't know when they're they no one's like okay they've passed the driving they're good to let go now like there's no right, right. you know there's no like online test to go to be like they're not going to get kidnapped they're going to make good decisions they're not going to drink and drive right. they're not going to get high they're not going to get you know in a situation sexually they don't want to be in. like you don't you just don't know mm-hmm. you have to be like mm-hmm good luck, you know? And I think that's what a lot of parents hold on to is I don't think you're ready, but they're like, you got to let me go. Cause I am ready. Exactly. And letting go we've had. So if you're a parent, you've had some sense of control until uh-huh. two years, it might not have been real. Maybe parts of it were real. It was more physical. And now that's all of a sudden gone. So it's actually looking within and going, what's my role in this dynamic? And also how can I 
let go in a way that's empowering where my teenager knows, okay, when you're in X situation, here's all the options and here's our plan and I'm with you and I'll pick you up at 2 a.m. instead of them getting in a dangerous car situation. You know, all that stuff, we can talk about it beforehand. And what's the hardest is actually stomaching the reality that your teenager is going to be in sticky situations, just like most of us were. And that's really hard to sit with. And so we would prefer to skip over it rather than empower them with, with plans and information and support. Let's just say you're in like a super, um, super negative cycle with your kid right now. And it's your teenager. And it's been a few years, like you guys have been going back and forth and you have, you just, it's been contentious for a while and and conflictual. Like how, what's the first all of like, because now you're in a pattern and they're expecting you to be one way and you're expecting them to be another way. What is, what's the shift do you think we can take as adults to be like, to reset ourselves so we're not, we're kind of stopping the behavior loop so it doesn't keep going? Like, are we, like, what is, is there something, because we're obviously being triggered by them too. So it's like, what are we, how do you kind of decompress this, this toxic situation of negativity that's been going on for a few years? Yeah. Yeah. Everything boils. I think you said it so well, but like it goes so it goes back to connection. And what's hard about that, I think, for the teens, especially is the parents are like, but they don't want to be connected. to mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. however, it's all about that relationship. And so that's why, hey, they come to you with sass. Listen, hey, they come to you stressed out or hating school or with a problem. That's the time to listen. So that's the connection. It's not anymore these cuddly moments of sweetness like when they were three. It's now the world's unfair and life sucks and I'm pissed off. Like those are those moments in teenage form. And so it's a full adjustment. And so a lot of the work and really the only work we can do is our own inner work because they are reflecting us. Teenagers might be angry about school, but they might also be angry because anger was suppressed for the last 13 years in the household. I mean, everything is different. And Mm -hmm. so they're mirroring something. It doesn't mean there's any fault or blame. It's not about that. It's that, okay, there's something going on here. And what I do have control over is how I react slash respond and how I show up. So am I modeling, um, am I modeling healthy connections and boundaries and respect and gratitude so that they get these, they, they're not going to become grateful or not angry because we tell them to it. It's right. an unfolding. And so what we can do is model what we wish to see. And it might take years. Sometimes it takes 10 years. And so that's, what's hard too. We like immediate results. Yeah, you're right. And it doesn't always happen. And is it fair to say that the connection you want might not be the one they're willing to give, but the connection's not about what you want. It's about what they need. Like if we can like flip the script. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it doesn't mean we have to drop our life and have no boundaries, but it does mean, okay, if they're into video games and sports, that's what they're into. They're not going to want, they're not into puzzles or reading books perhaps or vice versa. And so we can't put it, put anything down anyone's throat or change someone. We really need to dive into their world. And the more we're interested in that, and if we can find that authentic curiosity, because we don't want to fake it, that is not going to work. Um, join them. And where we're not into it, that's okay too. We don't have to bond about everything our teenagers into. It's just, it's okay that we're not all the same. 
Does anyone go through teenhood without bumps and bruises? Like, you know, we, Nat and I just did a podcast on like watching on social media, these, these parents and these teenagers who seem to have beautiful best friend relationships and everything seems like flawless and sleepovers and pillow, Mm. you know, the whole thing. And you kind of look and you're like, what's wrong with me and my child? Like, what's wrong with me? My kid doesn't like me. I never thought I'd be like this. What is, does yeah. everyone have bumps and bruises or like, is it, can kids go through it without some transition? I believe that everyone has bumps and bruises if they're growing. And so one way to look at that is if there's nothing, there might not be a lot of growth happening. That being okay. said, the bumps, how we experience them, if we know they're developmental, not personal, but personal enough for us to look within, like we don't want to just completely depersonalize it we can really rewrite that story and flip that script, oh, these bumps are growth. Oh, these bumps are opportunities. I think those are the families and those connections we see where something's working. Then there's the fake, no one's actually being their real selves stuff. That's a whole different conversation. But okay. for, the, for the teens that are, you know, teens have their bumps and it's how we experience their bumps with them. It's how we ride the waves with them because yeah, to think that there will be none means a very boring life with very little growth. Um, and that's not interesting either. I don't think, although it does sound kind of peaceful. <laughs> it does. And you see it. So, uh, so you being irrelevant as a parent in their life is not something we should be concerned about. Like the fact that they just are like, I do, you're not the apple of my eye anymore. I do not like, even really like you. I know you're my mom. I need you for your wallet. And they're basically, you're the, you're their bumpers. Is that like, you're their bowling bumpers. I feel like you just stand there and you let them go down the aisle, probably zigzagged and a little bit all over. But if they go in yeah. the gutter, you kind of push them back onto the alley and you're like, nope, not yet. Like go back a little yes. bit this way. Yes. As you were saying that, all I could think about was how do we treat babies when they're learning to walk? We right. don't go, oh, you should have done that better. You've tried <laughs> so many times. How can you not be walking yet? I mean, it's different. And I know that, and I don't mean to minimize it. And how can we look at our teenagers bumping through life, learning these new skills in awe, in awe right. and like ready to be, you know, there for them as they ask for it. And and yeah, watch in awe of this because it is, it's an absolute transformation. And, and it's also, again, reiterating just that it's okay to have boundaries. We don't have to just have an open wallet and be stepped all over. It's, it's how do we co-create a mutually respectful, supportive relationship where we know that we're the adult and they are still the kids. So when they're not quite mature, because they're still growing, all they have is to fall back on their childhood self the tantrums, which look different as a 14 year old, 16 year old, but that's what they have to fall back on because they're not quite adults. Wow. I mean, it's like you speak like a different language. (laughs) (laughs) I think all of us are so perplexed, but it's so basic when you look at them as babies again, with the same emotions trying to figure out. And that's what tantrums are, are like emotional regulation. And so that's what they're trying to do again as teenagers, but it just comes out so much more rude because they're quote unquote, not cute little tiny things that are like running around. And controllable and, you know, harnessable and, you know, corralable. And and they don't nap and yeah, they've got bodies and things and. Yeah. And everything that's going on for them. I mean, like the sleep, it's not lined up with their actual needs, which again, we, we try not to do that for babies, but 
all schools around the globe are, are starting way too early for this age. This age needs to wake up at 11 a.m., 10 a.m., not 6. And so that on top of friends and popularity and do I have the right shoes and what group do I belong with? And I have to do all this freaking homework that I don't even care about because it doesn't matter in the real world. <laughs> That's all part of it. So they're, they're learning all this new stuff, going through these huge, massive transformations in their brain and body and all that other stuff. Okay. Okay. This is making so much sense. And I think, you know, I, I am so conscious of your time. And I, I think one like great question to end on is like, you feel like your kid hates you. Do you think it's, you talk to teens all the time. Is, is that a thing? Do they actually hate us or are they just no. so like want to just not be with us because they're trying to grow up? Like, I think that so many parents are like, Oh, I did all this for this. They desperately the teenagers I know desperately want to feel loved by their parents in an unconditional way. So they're actually calling parents and caregivers into a higher form of love, potentially, if it hasn't been there before, of unconditional love and support. Love me for who I am. Accept me for who I am. Be interested in my life. I need you. I just need you in a different way. And what does that look like? Like, what does love look like for them? Mm, love looks like I mean, really, their brains are wired to, uh, they, they want joy, connection, fun, um, adventure. These, this is where the brain is. It's getting extra dopamine. It's loving that. It feels so good. And so to have parents rip away the iPhones feels like, why do you not want me to have joy in my life? And so realizing they're in such a different stage and, and that unconditionally loving them doesn't mean there aren't boundaries, but it means there's nothing they can do that means you are disappointed or, or like angry with them actively and showing them that. We can feel anger. We feel disappointment, but it's not something to put on them. They need us to really be able to hold space for their, their entirety so they can actually learn how to be their whole selves instead of having to tuck parts of themselves away. Oh my God. So love is literally like just circle, like letting them know you're there basically is without yeah. having to touch them or tell them just like yeah. emotionally being present so that they, even though what they're spewing at you, you're like, you're, you're present. You're like, okay, I know that yeah. this is, this is me. This is you. This is not about me. I I'm here, but this is not okay. I'm going to walk mm -hmm. away, but I'm going to come back. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Exactly. You know, it's really exactly. hard. It's really hard for me personally, not to just go silent. And like, yeah. you know, when I go silent, she knows I'm mad, but that feels like a tactical, that feels sort of like a power mm -hmm. trip. And I hate that feel like, I don't want her to think when I'm silent, I'm, I, she, then she has to make up for my silence. You know, like I right. can see the behavior shift in her all of a sudden be like, wait, now I'll talk to you. And I, 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 I think that's, um, that's in a way kind of abusive in my opinion, because you're abusing your power of silence, you know? And, and I, I think that's a tactic a lot of people use is I'm just going to go silent. So you don't know why I'm mad or why I'm upset. Right. So like for me, right. I'm trying to work on, you know, this is why this topic is so important. You know, I'm, I'm feeling disrespected right now. I'm just going to step back rather than just silence, you know, like she yes. can tell by my face, like immediately I'm like, I am going to lose my shit here or I am going to mm -hmm. go silent. I don't know what to do, you know? So mm -hmm. it's, it's so hard as a parent to not, you know, want to power over them because you're so pissed at, you know, you're in the middle of helping them accomplish something. And then they are like rude and you're like, 
fuck it, you know? And Mm -hmm. it's so hard to not say fuck it and just be pissed. So I think all of this is such, it's, you're still parenting. I guess that's what the thing is. You're still parenting someone who's learning to walk. Exactly. And you can, you can also incorporate partnering and, and then the personal work. Cause even though it's not personal, there's always personal work. And so it's amazing to know that about yourself, that having that awareness about what you do in those moments of stress and then how it feels for her. And it's sometimes a minor adjustment with awareness. Awareness is like 90% of it or 99% of it. And so then it's, then it's, um, okay. Communication. Here's where I'm at. I'll be right back. I love you. I'm feeling frustrated. I don't want to say something okay. that's not true because I love you so much, you know? Okay. So exactly. You've, you've nailed it. <laughs> okay. So silence is not something we want to revert to. Silent treatment is not something that aids anybody. No, silent treatment's not great. And silence is okay. Sometimes, sometimes we're sitting in silence and that can be really special for okay. some kids. Yeah. Okay. Well, I can't wait for your courses and where can everyone find you now? And I know your Instagram is full of so much information and, um, like how can people access you if they're really struggling? Yes. Go to my Instagram at Kirsten Cobabe and you can find everything there. And I always reply to my DMS as soon as possible with what you can do next. Cause, um, it depends on what situation you're at. I've got Three 30-minute calls, one per family. I have an online course and I have lots more stuff coming. So definitely just follow me on Instagram. Wait <laughs> for your courses. I'm so excited for you. You have personally, you know, touched our life. And I'm so thankful for you. Um, you know, being able to have an outside source outside of this direct, like a direct family. And I think that um it's so amazing what you're doing because therapy is amazing, but then there's you. And I feel like it's just a different <laughs> level of, you know, support and like team love, which is what they need. Oh, Kat, you're, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank oh, you. It's oh, really an honor. You. <laughs> I, you know what they're talking? You're happy. That's all we need. <laughs> yeah. Um, think about that, those words, even if they're sassy, it's like, look, they're, they're actually wanting to talk to you. <laughs> they're talking where, yeah. Whenever my husband gets on my daughter, I'm like, stop it. She'll go to her room and she won't come back out again. Like, exactly. Ever. <laughs> stop it. Zip it. Do you want her downstairs or in her room doing God knows what? Yeah, Totally. Oh my gosh. I really appreciate you and everything you're doing and we need more of you and thank you for everything. And I can't wait for Hawaii to call my name too. I was waiting for her to call me. (laughs) Yeah. You're invited. I can't wait. Thank you so much. Okay. You You will. Bye. 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 Bye.